it's Monday. You know what time it is. It's FRPC Hoops. It's your boy Vince. And we're on the air again. And uh, it's almost that time of year. And I know we've seen a couple preseason games. Um, the in-depth analysis that you're looking for today, it's not going to be about that. I'm going to tell you right now, what we're doing today is going to be a little bit of fun. You know, a little intrigue, storylines, and what have you, narratives and things of that nature. But what we're going to do is we're going to hit the Eastern Conference and then the Western Conference. So this is going to be like a two-parter. So Western Conference might come out tomorrow, um, and then there are going to be some football or whatever. But what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on the Eastern Conference today. And we're just going to ask questions. We're going to kind of go through what we see, what we liked in the draft, if there was anything of note to kind of come up. And so bear with us. It's going to be awesome. I'm your host, Vince. Sorry, hadn't even gotten to that yet. And uh, looking forward to doing this with you. So we're on this journey together. So let's get to it. The first team that we want to talk about. Um, Let's talk about the Orlando Magic. Okay, so the Orlando Magic, another stellar draft, another piece from the Vucevic trade. Um, Anthony Black coming to them, Jet Howard coming to them. Um, I mean, with Paolo Boncaro and um, Franz Wagner on that team, the thing that you are looking to get squared away is the guard position. Now, a lot of people tell me that Anthony Black is basically the cure-all for all of that. Um, we might be a couple years away from that. Not because he's not physically strong, not because of the fact that uh, we don't think he'll run the point guard position. Let's see what the shot is like, right? That's kind of where we are with all of it. Let's see where the shot is and kind of go from there. With that being said, What's some of the storylines with um, Orlando? Um, I have a lot of basketball fans in my life, and I have a lot of people who are in and around the league. And the one thing that I heard a lot is let's trade for a point guard. You know, when Damian Lillard was out there, and now obviously we know Damian Lillard was not ever going to go to Orlando. But it was, well, that's the – that's the glaring weakness, right? I think the storyline for Orlando is let's see what we got. And I know that seems like a lot of what you heard last year, but I think with the influx of talent that just came in with Jet Howard being like 6'9 in a shooting guard uh, with guard skills, can handle the ball a little bit, but the just the stretching of the defense, and if that pops, it's a it's amazing what that could be. Okay. And if Anthony Black can just hit league level three pointers, now he doesn't even have to hit that his first year. Let's say he's hovering around 32, 33, but he's not tentative to shoot it. Um and he's doing all the things that you saw that he was able to do in Arkansas. Uh, you're, you're looking at a guy in Anthony Black that is uh, 6'6", 6'7". He's going to be able to see over guards, 
tremendous, tremendous uh, playmaking skills at that size. And he's going to be able to rebound and do all the little things on defense as well. So I think, honestly, with the Orlando Magic, it's a chill-out year. It's let's let's assess what we have, and then let's we should have a more full view of what we have going into next year, uh, especially with another draft pick or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you say, "Hey, what we have now is enough. We can go ahead and now trade this draft pick for a vet." that fits our timeline and is going to provide us with some leadership that will allow us to go ahead and make that leap into the playoffs. But that would be my whole thing with Orlando is let's enjoy the young guys. Let's see what Paulo can uh, carve out this uh, niche in the NBA to be. Um, I still believe that he's a right-handed uh, Chris Weber a little bit. Um, offensively, um, defensively early on, Chris was kind of, he was a dog early on. Um, Franz is awesome. So, I mean, you're good there. It's just, like I said, we're just looking at a situation where it's a stamp pat year and it might be a year where Orlando fans get a little antsy, but don't, this is a, just a growth year. Allow your kids to develop, you know, I mean, Paolo's in year two. You know, let's get let's get where let's get some perspective of where we are. <clears throat> so you got Franz, Paolo, uh, and then you got Anthony Black and, and you got Jed Howard. So you still got a real, real young team. Allow these guys to develop, allow them to understand what's going on in the NBA and learn how to play with one another and get into some of these um you know, what I would consider necessary little scrapes and see how they pull out of it and see how they kind of bond together. So that would be my take on Orlando. The Charlotte Hornets are next, and they're all over the map. You got LaMelo Ball, who just signed a contract and um, went healthy, is one of the most dynamic point guards in the league, can shoot the three ball from a a crazy uh, distance. Um, they got Brandon Miller, uh, 6'8", 6'9", sharpshooter from Alabama. Uh, he's long, he's, he's, he's gifted offensively. Uh, the, the knock will be is right now, physically, is he strong enough to hold down like the three position? I don't think so. I think you have to kind of play him at the two right now. Um, but I think they're going to play him at the three, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, We got the return of Miles Bridges, I think. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Let's see what's the latest on this situation because I thought I saw something late. So you got Miles Bridges returning. However, you feel about that. Now the player on the court, um, good floor spacer, good rebounder, credible defender. Um, not incredible, but credible. Um, and bring some physicality to a team who needs it. 
you know, you got Mark Williams who showed a lot late. I thought some of the defensive uh, prowess that he was able to show was excellent. And I think you can lean on that. I think that's something that is translatable and into his coming of age into the NBA this year where he's going to play basically a full year. I mean, to me, Charlotte is – what is the ownership going to do? Because this is where you are. Because right now, coach, front office – all the analytic people, whoever was in that building, that was part of the old regime, and it's now the new regime. Now, they stood pat through this offseason, which is somewhat not as rare as you think, but I think they're going to go through this year, get the lay of the land, and then I think you will start to see wholesale changes into next year. So, do I expect a lot of improvement on the court? It really will be up to the development of LaMelo Ball. If LaMelo is going to be excellent and be, uh, you know, this ascension to this, you know, all NBA type of player, now you're talking. Um, if it's a situation of um, I'm getting – taken out at, like, the 11-minute mark of the fourth quarter and then getting put back in with, like, two minutes and 30 seconds to go when the game is decided, that's that's a problem. Uh, LaMelo is going to have to commit something to the defensive end of the court. Um, And also, he will have to get rid of some of the silly passes. And I'm not saying take away the flair because that's not what I'm talking about. Keep the funk in your game, but uh, the riskier ones, the riskier ones have to go away because you're not good enough a team to, you know, oh, we had 17 turnovers and we're still going to win. That's not going to happen a lot for Charlotte. They're going to have to grind out wins and they're going to have to make it ugly and Lamella is going to have to take care of the ball. Kind of like he did his first year. He really took care of the ball if you look back. Because he was, there was a lot of the time that year he was almost at a three to one ratio assist to turnover. So I think this year is more of a transition year for the front office and the new ownership of the Charlotte Hornets. And on the court, it's how can LaMelo pull you along? So those are some of the little things that are going on in Charlotte. Um, I guess the other team to talk about would be the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards, you're looking at a situation where, um, I mean, this year is basically we're finally going to bottom out. Um, They got a new uh, front office. Michael Winger is in charge of that. He comes over from the Clippers. Um, So you're going to see people trying to develop. Um, also, you're going to see people trying to um, um, prove that the contract that they got were, was worth it. Um, and I wonder if the young guys are going to suffer from it. Now, the one guy who we don't want to suffer from this is Bilal Kulabale. This year, 
to me is can you get Jordan Cool to invest in the young guys? Hey, I understand you're making a ton of money. I understand that, you know, you're finally free of Golden State, but I also need you to help cultivate these young guys. And um, maybe um, and put upon him, maybe say, hey, listen, maybe you felt a certain way when you were at Golden State. And here's your chance to pay it forward and pay it in the way that you would have wanted it to be paid your way when you were at Golden State. And I'm not saying the leadership group at Golden State was not good. I'm just saying I believe when you have the timelines and they're conflicting and you're talking about these young guys who are trying to get their paper. And no matter what we talk about in the NBA, I talk about defense all the time on these podcasts, and I'm sure you guys want to just shoot yourself when I talk about it, but – at the end of the day, points equals dollars. So I do understand these guys going after it, getting their points and not playing with inside the construct of a system and, you know, going a little outlaw to get their points or whatever. Um, but it's so hard to do that on a team like Golden State when you're talking about the legacy of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. That was just a something that was that marriage had to end because unfortunately you had you had two ideas that were definitely were going to bump heads with one another uh, from time to time and uh it just showed itself last year and now they moved on. So this year, literally, if you can get Jordan Cool to think like that, now that's a whole different world for the Washington Wizards. Now, that's probably going to be real hard to do. How long is Tyus Jones there? That's the other question. Tyus Jones, best backup point guard in the league, uh, coming from Memphis as part of the Marcus Smart, Porzingis, uh, you know, merry-go-round that happened. Really, with something like that, you're just, I mean, this is a valuable piece. Somebody's going to want this towards the trade deadline. Somebody is going to be looking at some of your pieces. And these are the type of guys that you can maximize and get the first round draft picks for. And you're going like, dang, okay, Washington is stockpile a little, um, little war chest of first round picks here. So I think that Tyus Jones is tremendous. I think he could really help the development of Bilal Kulabale if you stick them together on the second unit. And we'll see how it all goes. But really this year for Washington, I'm actually just excited that you guys can enjoy the year of kind of tanking. And I know that sounds crazy, but uh, enjoy the year of your development because you do have some guys that should get development. I'm still high on Denny Avdia. I'm still high on that cat. Um, I think that he can provide something to the offense. But um, as far as success and wins and things of that nature, I know you guys know that you're probably a couple years away from that. And who can you get in the draft, which we hope to talk about shortly on this pod, probably in the next couple weeks. The other team that we want to get to is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, 
it's the same old story. Um, is Trey willing to come off the ball? You know, is uh, is is he willing to get a little more physical on the defensive end and not be a complete? He's always going to be a complete zero on defense. Um, that's what makes maybe the whole getting off the ball situation even more prevalent for him because I think it will kickstart the offense. It, it'll get the ball movement better. Um, it'll allow DeAndre Hunter to touch the ball and others. Now, Quinn Snyder is there, so you're going to expect change. Quinn is going to have his guys, okay? I don't know who those guys are yet. It looks like A.J. Griffin is back in the mix. Uh, Jalen Johnson was a Quinn Snyder darling towards the end of last year, but because of the fact that um, – there were already rotations set up and things of that nature. He couldn't sneak them in as much as he wanted to. But now I think what you'll do is you'll see a lot more of that going into this year. Um, there was this talk of Capella being traded at one point and really kind of going athlete at every position. Um, I don't know if that's still on the docket. Is that still part of what have you? Those trade talks seem to dwindle down. Obviously, as we get closer and closer to the season, nobody's going to want to do anything until, you know, you know, you get 15, 20 games in and you start to see what your team is lacking. Um, unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers. I know I shouldn't take a shot like that, but really what this year is about is whose team is it? Because over the last couple years, it's been a lot of Trey Young drama. Who, you know, who's running the team? There seems to be like a dark cloud of the team. Um, there seem to be disagreements between the coach and Trey um, Trey has a great, um, relationship with the son of the, one of the owners. Um, there just seems to be a lot going on with that. And when Quinn Snyder came in, you knew that there was going to be a time where rubber was going to meet the road and who was going to be where, you know, who was going to be on whose side. So really, this is up to Trey this year. Um, if Trey is going to buy into the system, he's going to buy into what Quinn Snyder is going to do. Because make mo no mistake about it, Quinn Snyder runs that stuff, runs that team now. He just runs it. Um, um, I am fervent on that. So really, it's who wins out. Because Trey can't, he can't make this dude get fired. You know what I'm saying? You just can't. So it's either you conform or you're out. And I know that's hard to hear for a lot of my ATL fans out there, um, but this is what we're looking at. So I hope you guys buckle up for a really interesting season. And as far as being successful, they do have the talent to really make some noise. Um, I don't know if they're like a five seed in that type of realm. I think they could 
mess around or, you know, get like a seven, eight seed and, you know, be feisty, get into the playoffs or whatever. Um, but I think that's about as the high level of where they could be this year compared to, you know, what a trade might look like for whoever is going. Um, there's some buzz about Carl Anthony Towns, but this is not for this podcast. We, we might have to do do something different with that, but we'll see how it all goes. All right, moving on to the next team that we're going to talk about. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. Well, here's the thing with the Miami Heat. You know, they didn't get their goal of winning the championship, and they didn't get their goal of Dane. So now what do the Heat do, right? The one thing that you know the Heat will not do is they will not relent. This team will they will scrap and they will they will scratch and they will be plucky and uh Pat and the brain trust over there will figure out what to do and when the time is right to make the move on the next guy, right? Um when you think of Miami, um, you know, you think of you know, lost off season. I don't want to go down that route. Um, you can think of, you know, what what else could they have put in that trade? You know, it's over. Let's we can go ahead and talk about a myriad of things with that. But at the end of the day, you still got Jimmy. You still got Bam. Tyler Hero can be a flamethrower. The reports of Jaime Hawkes Jr. are awesome. People seem to love him. Um, he provides an energy um, and a just a, a, a calm and awareness of of where he is on the court and where everybody else is on the court. And people seem to like really playing with him. So uh, I hope he can get over. I think he has like a little like calf or groin thing going on, but hopefully he can get over that and uh, break into the rotation. Um Basically, this year is is a bide your time until the next the next superstar. So, if your offer and, and here's the thing, what I want to say to Heat culture and in Miami Heat fans, because listen, I'm not trying to be condescending whatsoever. Keep in mind, it has to be the right superstar, because here is the problem: the offer that you have for Dame got outbid and basically it was one of those situations that wait around for three months and then the Milwaukee bid whether you like how it all went down or not their bid was better because at the end of the day they got like three first round draft picks they possibly will have more depending on what they do with DeAndre Ayton and uh, Robert uh, Williams you don't know what's going to happen there um, so Keep this in mind. The next superstar will also have to ask for you, and that team will have to kind of acquiesce because let's say I think if it's Donovan Mitchell, you'll have some you'll have some um, some other teams looking at that. 
I think Brooklyn might look at that, and you got to wonder, could they put a better package together than you would? Um, if it's Joel Embiid, I can tell you right now, Miami fans, I'm not trying to be mean or anything like this. This is just pure speculation on my part, but also just kind of seeing the, the how the league is shaking out. Joel Embiid, uh, that team in New York, <laughs> uh, plays in Madison Square Garden, is definitely going to be looking at him, and, and quite a other few teams will be looking at Joel Embiid. And I think they will make, they will just outbid you at the end of the day. Um, keep in mind, you know, they're just, there's just teams that, you know, you know, a piece like that, if a piece like that moved, um, could change the fortunes of a team drastically, um, immediately, um, Usually it doesn't manifest itself until the next year, um, but, you know, definitely the, the, the feel, the vibe of the city will definitely be better if one of those te- or one of those guys goes. So Miami is just in a holding pattern, and they got to wait for the right superstar. And here's the other thing that we might want to think about. Is it actually a superstar do they need? Ask yourself that question. Could it be a a Jeremy Grant? And maybe some maybe a couple little other pieces that Portland might want to throw in. You know, if they're getting off that salary, it's like, hey, we're helping you get off that salary. Can we have you know this dude? You're not getting Shade and Shark or somebody like that. You're not getting Scoop. But maybe one of the other underlings you can get as far as helping off with that salary. So those might be the type of moves that that Pat decides to make and kind of just stockpile the talent and stockpile the depth and just put a, a lot of viable pieces together and then create the team that way and almost kind of create a strength in numbers east type deal. You could do it that way. Or you could just look for the superstar. The Like again, and I reiterate, if you look for the superstar, you're looking for a situation where how can you outbid the others? Because I don't think you can get into a bidding war for Embiid. I don't think you can get into a bidding war for Donovan Mitchell. Um, now, I don't know if this fits what you're trying to do. But as far as offensive potency, I don't know how it works. I don't know what you could give back. I don't know what how it would even all work. Carl Anthony Towns. Now, for years, it seems like in, in the NBA, we have very short-minded microwave society type things, but the other thing is, is that you're looking at a situation where is this the year that Toronto does something? Now, I've always, we, you know how we do it here. We say don't fall for the pump fake that Masai Jerry throws out there. Do not. We still say that here. So 
I would not hold my breath on OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. Now, nine times out of ten, they'll probably get traded this year, right? That's how it always works. But we've been waiting for it, but Messiah is going to have to show it to me before I believe it. Um, So it's a holding pattern for me on Miami. Now, moving on to the Central, let's get to, you know what, let's get to Chicago real quick. I'm so incredibly sad for Lonzo um, being hurt and missing this year. And when I say what I'm about to say, people are going to say, oh, you're hating on Chicago Vince, you're, you know, whatever. I'm not hating. But at this point, are, are we now here where let's, Let's get young. Let's 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 get let's treat Levine like for a two for one or three for one package. Let's break up DeMar DeRozan into two two bigs or a big and a wing or whatever the case may be with some upside or whatever. Um let's get young. Let's see what we have in Patrick Williams. Um maybe we can get something for Kobe White. And let's regroup. And here's the thing. If Lonzo comes back next year and you got a bunch of youth on the team, Lonzo would be great with that. And I'll tell you why. He doesn't need the ball. So if all these young cats are going for contracts and things of that nature, who is the best guy to pair with them? Well, a guy who doesn't need the ball and – his usage is really, really tame, and uh, he can shoot from the outside and, and defend, and we'll see if he can defend at the level that he left at. I don't know. Um, after all the injuries and knee injuries and things of that nature, but we'll see. But I would think at this point, we got to be done with just sitting around waiting for it all to click. And I would think with Lonzo taking a sabbatical to get his knee healthy, this is all seems to be the right time to go ahead and pull the plug and, um, you know, plan for the future a little bit. And I think the Chicago fans would embrace that as far as that's concerned. I know that, you know, it's hard It's hard to take a step back sometimes to take a couple steps forward, but this looks like the exact time to do that. And, um, you know, Levine, DeRozan, maybe even Vucevic, now that you got them under contract and they know what the number is going to be, maybe there's something there that can be done. You could revamp this team, and it can get young, and, you know, when the draft picks start – uh, flowing in again, maybe we can reset this thing correctly and uh, go from there. But I think with Chicago, that's all you're looking for. Detroit. A lot of people are confused about this team. I am not. Here's the thing. If Cade is a guy, this, this, this team will be better. Uh, how much better? I don't know because here's the thing. 
I don't know if we know if they have a second guy or not. <clears throat> and let me say that again. I don't think Detroit has a second guy yet. You say Vince. We got Jay Knight. We got Ivy. We got Asur Thompson. We got all these bigs. We got Jalen Duran. I know what you all got. I just don't know if you got another guy. Cade has the injury last year. We wanted to see uh, Ivy step up, provided it was his rookie year. Um, there were a lot of growing pains with that. We we uh, fast forward to the summer league. We think, oh, okay. He's had some time to work on the game. Let's see. What it all, you know, and you saw you saw him still rushing. You saw some sloppy turnovers. Um, the shot still wasn't there. Um, he didn't play with a lot of control, a lot of pace. On the other hand, Asur Thompson played with a lot of poise. You know, he didn't seem to be too sped up. He didn't seem to be, you know, he played at his own pace. So. I think this year it's going to be incredibly hard. Um, I think this year Kate can take a step. I think Arsor Thompson can take a step. Um, I'm big on um, Isaiah Stewart. Um, but I wonder, and I'm still trying to figure out, and I've been on this all summer, and I'm sorry you guys get to hear it again, but James Wiseman experiment what we're doing with him and clearly Jalen Duran is the guy that should be the resources and the development should be poured into him whether he's going to be the power forward or the center um and you you know if he's the power forward and you get a stretch big or whatever down the road <clears throat> I don't know but I think he showed enough in summer league to me to say, okay, clearly this is the guy that we need to really put all our efforts into. And it didn't, it still seems like we were dividing that time and Marvin Bagley minutes and it's a mess, man. I'm sorry. Um, I know Excuse me. I know a couple guys who are really um, Detroit Pistons fans in my life, and um, I just don't see it this year. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to improve. You're definitely going to improve. I just don't see, like, oh, we're going to win 30 games this year. It's going to be crazy. So I think this year is more of who is the next guy? Is Asur the next guy? Um, is Jalen Doran the next guy? Um, can we finally kill off Killian Hayes because we have Marcus Sasser on the team? You know, things like that. Oh, is uh, Boyan Bogdanovich getting traded, you know, at the trade deadline to even stock the war test a little bit even, even more? 
So these are all these questions that have to be answered in Detroit. Um, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. And the Indiana Pacers are, to me, are just a lead pass darling. Uh, there's so many dudes on this team that I absolutely love and adore. Um, we talked on this podcast last season in regards to our love for uh, Andrew Nimhard, obviously our love for Tyrese Halliburton, you know, it knows no bounds. Um, and uh, Benedict, uh, Benedict Maffern, we love him. That, that kid is great. So we're, we're high on those guys. We're high on this team. Uh, Nico really, really likes uh, Jairus Walker. We'll see how he is after the injury and whatnot. Um, and then Miles Turner. So, I mean, this is a good team. We know what this is all about. What is the thing? What's going on with this team? Who's? I think, honestly, what it is is you got Tyrese Halliburton, you got Matherin, and you got Miles Turner, right? Buddy Hill, at some point, is not going to be in the mix. We do understand that part of it, right? So now, who's the second guy? But see, the difference between Detroit and Indiana, we got candidates on Indiana. Was last year a fluke for Miles Turner that he got the big contract? Does he slide back down? Or is the, is the trajectory just going up? You know, these are things we've got to figure out, right? Then you got um, Matherin. And Matherin, great scorer. The thing that he's going to have to work on is it can't be tunnel vision, my man. You know, there are other people on the court with you. So I don't know if he's just always going to be pigeonholed as a six-man type of guy where it's just like we just get him the ball and he scores. Um, I don't know if that's ultimately his role, but he's going to get a chance to expand that role, um, you know, this year. So that's going to be really interesting to see. I'm very interested to see in – what they have with um, with Jairus Walker, you know, he's a he's a different type of big, and he's a, he can be kind of a playmaking big. <clears throat> I don't know if you want to set him up as an offensive hub, but if you wanted to diversify your offense, um, and this is something that uh, your coach is very into, okay, so. Understand who your coach is. He likes movement and cutting and things of that nature. Rick Carlisle is big on these type of things. So uh, a, a guy who shows a a propensity for passing and having an IQ for it is going to fit his system well. So we'll see what Jarris Walker is able to give. And then there's the OB Toppins of the world and things of that nature, man. So, I mean... This is this is a, a year where you're just looking at it going. Let's see. Let's see. Let's let them play and let's see. You know, this is another development year, but you're expecting a little bit more this year. You're expecting to be in that that playing mix type situation. So 
Um, I'm not into who you're getting traded, who's not. I think the only thing that you are thinking about is what you can get for Buddy Heald. And I actually still think it's draft picks. Don't be too worried about the player coming back. Keep on getting more shots at the apple type of speed, Indiana. I don't think you're fully formed yet, and you understand that your team that is not going to get free agents. And, oh, we forgot a group, speaking of free agents, Bruce Brown, right? Bruce Brown is there. He's going he's gonna to provide tremendous energy and defense to that team. So this is a team that really intrigues me. I think it could take a, a leap up the board. And that, I think this team actually might be one of those teams towards the end, uh, towards the end of the plan, and maybe battling for a sixth spot. So keep your eyes on the Pacers. Shouts out to my fans in Indianapolis. All right, we're going to move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers last year jumped up. They got Donovan Mitchell. Everything was exciting. Everything was great. We were all in love. Uh, what else happened? We saw some de-accelerated growth from Evan Mobley, and a lot of people are taken aback by it, and some people are kind of going, I'm off, I'm, I'm done, where the shot go? And, yeah, the shot does concern me. I still just believe in the young man. And I think when you believe in the guy and the work ethic, I think it does. I, I think it does all click. Now, what is success? You know, <clears throat> does he turn out to be Chris Bosch? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. He hasn't seen. We haven't seen it, right? So even I would be sitting here. Would, you know, I can't throw out names like that anymore. But I think that. He has a clear path and a clear understanding of what it takes to get better because remember, that was the first playoff environment. Yeah, they game plan for him last year. Now, what did he learn from the game plan that they put out on him last year? And did he do the necessary steps in the offseason to counter out that game plan that they put on him last year? It is up to him. It is, it's it's your move, Evan Mobley. You know, this is a game of chess. They made the move last year. Oh, we're going to be more physical with him, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. The other thing that I've been hearing is that Evan Mobley will be out more uh, roaming around, and they will be uh, more apt to switch him onto guards and things of that nature. So he might be more active in the switch game, which was something that they didn't do a lot of last year because they didn't want to leave the back end vacant. Um, and I think they will only do this is when they have the two big lineup, not when they have the one big lineup. Wouldn't make any sense. But the other thing with Cleveland is we were always talking about that 
that five, that fifth slot with them. It was always who was going to take over that fifth slot. Uh, Max Struess from the Miami Heat, a uh, streaky shooter, but plays within himself, a good teammate, willing defender, not a great one, but provided what you had last year, this is light years better. And then George Niang, I think, was a sneaky good pickup, too. He provides a little length. He provides a little versatility in that front line that you didn't have last year, especially once Kevin Love left. Um, And now we're in a situation where we're looking at, um, you know, you got a couple wings now. Like, Levert can play up in there, and, you know, you have Struz. And you have a coral. So you don't you're not pigeonholed to oh okay, you can have a half a medium with Struess. You know, it's like he's not gonna get the best defender, um, but he's gonna provide offense or you know, or vice versa. He's not the best offensive player, he can't get to the cup anytime he wants, but he's not gonna be an absolute sid on defense. So those are the things that you're getting with Struess that you didn't have last year, and I think this will open up that offense a little bit for Cleveland. Um, I think really the thing that we need to talk about in Cleveland is, unfortunately, this is the part of the program that I absolutely hate, is are we on ticking time bomb watch with Donovan Mitchell? Um you know, there's a couple years left on the contract. I don't even know why we're here, but, you know, there's a report that he's starting to think, you know, um, I'm not going to sign a contract here. And I understand Cleveland. Listen, um, <clears throat> if you need to pull the plug now and get what you can get for him and it's good pieces, your team is still set where it will be a lower level playoff team. Now, yeah, you'll be taking a step back, but. Uh, provided depending on the pieces you get and where they come from, um, you might not have the a long dip. It might be this year and then bounce, bounce right back up, um, depending on the deal that you can swing on who, where Donovan would go and want to go and all that, those type of things. Um, that's the question, right? I mean, that is really the question, is where do you want to push through this year and just not worry about that? Or do you want to get out ahead of this and get and maximize the value, even though you know you're pulling a little bit away from your team um, right now, present tense? Here's the thing that I will say to Cleveland fans out there. I know it might suck to go to dip down this year, but think about it this way. You got smacked around pretty good when it came to the New York series. And if you're getting smacked down pretty good, pretty good in the New York series. Maybe diversifying this team now before you get too attached to it 
is the best thing. And what I mean by that is that you know right now that you got a deficiency at the guard position. Not because those guys aren't great offensively, but on the defensive end, it's like both of them are sieves. You can't you can't guard the point of attack is just not available to you with either one of those guys. So where do you go from there? Those are your two main offensive hubs. It's not like, oh, okay, we're going to split them up. You can't do that, right, unless you trade them. And I know that it sounds like, oh, man, this is like seems very abrupt. I'm not trying to be, you know, Mr. Let's trade everybody guy and all that, but – at the end of the day, what you want to what you want to ask yourself is, can I can can I see my team get into an Eastern Conference Final? Can we be part of the Final Four? Do we have the necessary pieces? And if the answer is no, and you know Donovan is going to be looking for that next contract and probably looking for greener pastures somewhere else. Let's get a let's get out in front of that. Get the pieces that we want, you know, you know, whatever it is that you see that you're missing on your team. Could you imagine this team with a wing? Could you imagine them with you know, I hate to say it because they never will trade anybody, but a OG Ananobi on the wing. Um you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the possibilities are, but at the end of the day, I'm sure if Donovan Mitchell comes onto the market, there's going to be a heavy asking price and there's going to be some bidders. So I know this is not what Cleveland fans want to hear, and they're probably going like, damn, dude, we, you know, you suck. And I understand that, guys. I'm not sitting here going like whatever, but I personally, if I'm looking at, if I'm Altman, that's kind of how I'm looking at the team. It's like we got waxed in the playoffs last year. And if this dude is really not in on us, and he's pretty much even if let's say, let's say you did give the give him the extension, does that necessarily mean that he's gonna stay? No, it doesn't. So if that's the case, if you are always like at the at the um I wouldn't even say at the mercy, but if you're always, you know, walking on eggshells thinking that this guy's going to ask for a trade at any point, because all it takes is one bad year, a couple injuries, you know, and you guys go 500, and this dude be like, I want out. You know? And then you lose some of your leverage, right? Maybe the offer is not as robust as it could be. Or you could take the Portland route and chill on it for three months and then and then go ahead and do it. You could do it that way as well. But I'm just I know again, this is not what y'all want to hear, Cleveland. It's the start of the year. You guys want to be excited, and you do got a really exciting team, <clears throat> and you're gonna win a ton of regular season games. But I still think you don't have enough physicality between Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. 
And I think a physical three, a real physical three, would fit great. And with the one thing with Donovan Mitchell, he's still young enough. He could fetch you all the wings <clears throat> that you could possibly ask for. Because he's that special with talent. And, you know, again, don't shoot the messenger. It is what it is. But, hey, it's my opinion. You know where you can get me at? You can get me at X. So, at FrontRunnerPC on X. Or you can talk to Nico and say, Nico, talk some sense into your guy at Nico FRPC. All right, so let's go on to Milwaukee, and then we'll get on to the Eastern Conference or Atlantic Division. Milwaukee, what can you say? They got Dame. They still got Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. The uh, bench is sketchy. We knew that going in. They shortened it with the trade, but they got Dame, and they got Giannis. So what they do with the bench from here is what they do. But as long as you got those two dudes and health, they're a scary basketball team because, yes, you're going to lose some defense 100% with Drew Holiday being gone. That's there's a, There's no doubt in my mind that that is going to happen. But what you gain offensively and what you gain at the end of games and how Dane can get you in and out of uh, sets and just improvise for his own situation at the end of games, I mean, your offensive aptitude went up exponentially when you got Dane. There's, there's no question about that. Defense went down. But when you have Giannis and you have Brooke and you have other competent people, I'm not saying you can make up for Drew because you can't make up for Drew. But maybe you could soften the defense. You're not going to be a bottom third defensive team. You know, it doesn't take you that type of thing. But you could be a top five offense now. You can be a top three offense now. You know, you can be somewhere in there. You can be, you can be, fat, you can be battling with the big boys, Milwaukee. So fear the deer. Depth is an issue, no question. But you got Dame and you got Giannis. I like those odds. <laughs> now we get to the Atlantic Division. Um, let's start off with the Toronto Blue, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Raptors. Let's get off with the Toronto Raptors. I'm sure people in Toronto don't want me to talk about to the Toronto Blue Jays either. Um, basically, this is this is the whole narrative, Toronto. What are you gonna do? It's another year that's gone by and not really shit has changed. And you know, I normally do not curse on here. But again, it's another year. Okay, yep, Van Vliet left. Okay. But it's basically the same team. 
Insert Dennis Schroeder. Yes, downgrade from Van Vliet. Understandable. But this is uh, year three of Scotty Barnes. And he, he, you want him to be the point guard. And, you know, we've heard uh, three, four first-round picks for OG Ananobi. Somebody tell me where Toronto is going right now with the team that they currently have. And if you say that this team is top five in the Eastern Conference right now, explain to me how you get there. And if that's the case, you're not bad enough to be like in a Washington type situation. Um, so where do you go? I know tanking or whatever you want to call it, stripping it down and rebuilding it, whatever it is that you want to call it. I know sometimes people put taboo things on that, but I think Toronto has shown tremendous patience. I mean, I don't know what else you want them to do. They struggled in mediocrity since Kawhi left. You know, it's it's been a slog. They've let go and re-got Jakob Pertl. Um Good and bad, you know. I mean, there's so much going on. And then here's the other thing. These contracts are about to expire, so we are at a point where we need to figure out what we're doing. And if we're going to allow them to expire, we could have done this through, we could have been in year two or three of the rebuild if we were going to do this. I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the concept. Somebody's going to have to explain it to me. I just do not get what's going on there. All right, then let's go on to the, the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are are in a situation where they still have a bunch of wings. Um, they drafted a couple guys. A couple guys, uh, uh, Tariq Whitehead, um, that dude right there has some upside with the injury. We'll see. Um I think this is a year, again, who's the point guard? How's that going to work? I heard Ben Simmons is the point guard. Okay. Okay. I'll bite, you know. But if he's still saying Ben Simmons, who's not going to shoot the ball, and you can't use him at crunch time because they're going to foul him, and he doesn't want to be in a foul line and all this other stuff, um, still don't understand how viable that is. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is a good like bench piece or rotation piece, but I don't think he should be your starting point guard. Um, Cam Thomas is still not seeing a shot that he does not like. <clears throat> and then you got Cam Johnson and you got um, you got Mikael Bridges. And, and, and you got um, the center, the kid, Claxton. All good pieces, all very high-value asset-friendly pieces, all of those things. 
the team itself, though, is just it's still just a land of, of mit, misfit toys. So really, at this stage of this, you're just looking at it, going, I, I, you know, are are we taking? Uh, you know, what what are we doing? Um, I don't see how the team can just be better this year. I I think that uh, you know, they can play hard. I think they can win thirty plus games and stuff like that. I just don't think they're like playoff material. You know. At all, I think they will definitely sneak up on some teams and beat them. I think there'll be some teams that, oh, they're you know they're playing. Um, let's say they play in the Philadelphia 76ers and the 76ers come out lethargic. They can they'll blow out a team like that. Um, just because if they come ready to play, they're going to be that type of team. But if the team is if the other team is engaged, they're they're going to be in trouble because they got some deficiencies, uh, especially in like the playmaking initiation. If you take Ben Simmons away, and of course I'm definitely going to do that because until I see him aggressively taking shots and you know and and trying to take go to the free throw line, it's it's just hard for me to look at. Um, the next one up is the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's take them. Uh, Philadelphia had a hard offseason. Everybody knows the hard and drama. We talked about it extensively on this podcast. We tried to even throw different trade scenarios out there, which I still think might be in the mix somehow. Um, Harden hasn't played a preseason game. We're, we're getting to the last one. Embiid, you don't worry about because at least with Embiid, his his effort level has is not been questioned over the last couple of years. Um, he is a absolute beloved figure in that city. Um, so it's it's really not understandable that we're still about to start the season a week away. And we still haven't seen James on the court, and we don't know what that looks like. So I guess the theme is uncomfortable. I guess the theme is uh, we don't know what is happening. I guess the theme is that Maury and Harden are in this internal struggle and stare stare down until, you know, somebody blinks. The problem is, and we've talked about it extensively, is like if you want to help your value going into next year, this is probably not the way to go about it. But we need no longer to talk about that because we're here now. Um, I feel bad for 76ers fans, not because, you know, I, I have some loyalty, you know, towards you guys, but you just got you just got the raw end of this deal. You never saw your team fully formed. You never saw your team like, okay, I've seen this team. They're they're finally they've gone through enough heartache. They can now come together, and now you can see what the the full complement of your team would be. It, it just, I'm so it's so bad. 
for you guys. And unfortunately, if this all does fall apart or whatever, Joel Embiid is probably going to ask out, I guess. Um, I just feel bad for 76ers fans because I think <clears throat> the passing, the passion that you guys show, the knowledge that you show about your team, the just just how how great that building is when it's it's getting close to playoff time and playoff time and and what have you and you guys just want stuff to root for and you know I just think this is just for that for this particular city I just think this is just one of those situations that this is the cardinal sin this is the one that you just you can't come back from because it wasn't like, oh, you didn't have the players. It wasn't, oh, you didn't have the draft picks. It wasn't, oh, you didn't go out and get the guy when you, you know, when you had a chance to go get the guy. You did all the things you were supposed to do, and it still amounted that you really are left like, what if? What happens if everybody got on the same page? What happens if everybody liked, the, you know, not everybody liked the coaching, but if your star players bought into the coaching and they really bought into the idea of what they were doing and all of that, you never got any of it, any of it. And that's what's sad. Let's move on to the Knicks. <laughs> Listen, the Knicks getting to the playoffs, beating the Cavaliers and then getting waxed by Miami. I mean, Ooh wee! I mean, uh, Julius Randle was hampered by ankle. Let's 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 slow down on. Oh, Julius Randle is trash in the playoffs, and not, no, let's. He had a really severe ankle injury, and we'll see what this year looks like. Now, here's the here's the thing with the Knicks. They are on Star Watch. They're the team. They got all the assets. They got first-round draft picks. They got salaries that can get them there. All it takes is somebody saying, hey, I want to go. I just want to go. And if we get to that point, if we get to the point where that's where we are, then... You know, this team is going to look drastically different. My whole my whole theory with the Knicks is that I just hope it's the right guy. I hope it's not the wrong guy. Um, they're going to be a scrappy bunch this year. This is going to be another fun year. Bronson is going to do his thing. My whole thing with Knicks fans is just stay patient, stay the course. There's a guy coming. You guys are perfectly set up. You didn't fall for the trap with the Donovan Mitchell thing. When he comes back on the market, you don't have to go for him now again. Unless you want to be part of some sort of facilitation for somebody else. Who gets you like the piece that gets you the next piece. Because I think at the end of the day... If you really want to build it right, New York, 
Brunson is like the third piece, but and that's no disrespect to Brunson. I just think he'd be a cool third piece and just like a steadier of offense. And then if you were somehow able to get like the second piece in this deal, you know, like that dude who can get you buckets or, you know, provide that steady on defense or whatever it is, you know, some combination of two. And then you still have picks left or, you know, free agent money left to go get to get the third dude, then you'd be right there. Um, Because <clears throat> I think it's still going to be hard to find, like, the dude, dude. Because I think OG, if OG comes on the market, he's still kind of like, yeah, he's a good piece. He'll help us. But he's not the guy. Donovan Mitchell will definitely help you offensively, but then your backcourt short, you know, you got to deal with defensive liabilities, all that sort of stuff. So that might not be the guy. So who is it that you're looking for? You know, Giannis is now, at least right now, in a holding pattern in Milwaukee. Um, So really, you're just kind of waiting around for the next disgruntled one. Just be patient. Get your high 40 win total. Go to the playoff. Create havoc. You know, and let's see what let's see what free agency and the draft brings and who wants to get traded and whatever. Cause you know it's gonna happen. We're gonna hear rumblings this year. We might have fireworks at the trade deadline. Who knows? But New York, keep your powder dry and wait for the right guy. I believe I believe in y'all. All right, let's get to uh, who is it? We got oh Celtics, Celtics. All right, Bean Town represent. Let's go. Let's get it. All right, I almost hurt my hand. All right, so they made the Kristoff Porzingis trade. They got bigger. Okay, uh, then they traded some of their center depth away to Portland for Drew Holiday. I don't have a problem with that. Drew Holiday is an excellent piece. Uh, after the loss of Marcus, uh, what am I? Marcus Smart. God, Marcus Smart leaving was a hole. You filled it with Drew, and basically, to me, you got a better Marcus Smart in Drew Holiday. Depth is going to be an issue. Uh, Peyton Pritchard got paid, so they're expecting him to step up. Uh, do you miss Grant Williams? I don't know. Um, and then it comes down to the two guys, right? You know, can Drew help them get to that next level? Can Drew um, press it upon them that you know shot selection at at certain times can 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 win his games and and can lose his games? And I think it's little things with. Jason and, and Jalen at this point. I don't think they're that far away. Uh we talked a lot about Jalen Jalen's dribbling. But here's a here's the thing. Now with Derek White and Drew Holiday uh in the fold, they're gonna try to set him up exactly where he wants the ball. And he'll be able to, you know, explode into into those attacks to the rim where it's a one dribble, a two dribble, and then he's up in the air 
and he's dunking on people. So I'm not necessarily worried about Jalen's uh, ineptitude at playmaking and dribbling anymore. I'm more like, okay, can you play better defense and not worry about this, right? Can you get back to, you know, close to all defensive level type of player? Uh, I think, like I said, the playmaking around him, I think, will do him well. Now it just comes down to injury. Can Horford stay healthy? Uh, Are they going to really use Luke Cornett for real? Uh, Porzingis is still a a health risk. He had some um, uh, plantar fasciitis in the offseason, so we'll see how that plays out, right? But there is a change to this team. And it's a really cool experiment, but the one thing that you definitely know is that Joe Mazzulla is on the clock now because with Drew Holiday getting there, that's like having a coach on the floor, and that's an extension of Joe Mazzulla. So whatever Joe is trying to implement and do with Drew Holiday there, you you know that that is going to be taken care of. So um, I think the question for them is, do did, did these moves – I know they're one of the favorites in the East, but did it get them to the point where they are the beast in the East? And I would tell you that I don't think they are. I think there's a two-headed monster. I think Milwaukee is there. Um, Tell me what Miami does um, before the season's over or, or, or next season. Um, but we're just dealing with this year. But let's say Miami does something in, in the middle of the year. What do they look like? Um, again, we talked about New York. What do they look like? The great thing about Boston is, is that Jason Tatum is still very, very young. So if for some reason this doesn't work, you still do have one. You still have one ace up your sleeve. And that ace is that you did sign Jalen to the contract. Now, people will say it will be hard to trade him because of the dollars. No, it will not be hard to trade him. It's not hard to trade 24 points a game, seven rebounds. Uh, When he's inspired to play great defense, he can. Uh, You know he's a dog in the playoffs. You know he 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 can rise to the moment in the playoffs and things of that nature. He's shown in the past. So, really, I think that uh, anybody who is looking for, like, a, you know, a second piece or, yeah, you're going to have to get a second piece for that amount of money. Um, but everybody looking at a guy like that and going, yeah, I can I can take a risk on that. Because the one thing that you know about Jalen Brown is that it's never going to be issue with effort. It's he's always going to give you everything he has. Is Are the tools good enough? So, again, if he goes to the right fit, who knows? I'm still – if this doesn't work, that's the piece that's going to have to go is Jalen because that's how you recoup all your depth and all that sort of stuff. 
right? And hopefully you get picks back that turn into another Jalen and blah, 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 and you move on and everything like that. But this is the year that you figure it out. This is it. So um, with that being said, the Eastern Conference uh, narrative storyline situation is over. My name is Vince. I hope, hope you guys really enjoyed that. And we are good to go, and we're going to uh, shut it down and get ready for the Western Conference one. And um, we'll see you later on this feed. <music>